the revolution will not be televised, but it is being digitized right here on Digital Village. Hi, this is Rick Allen. And I'm Leilani Albano. On Digital Village, we're bringing you stories about the Internet and technology and how they're shaping culture, along with every other aspect of our lives. The digital revolution is indeed awe-inspiring, but can also be used for nefarious purposes. We're here to help prevent some of those abuses. You can hear us archived on kpfk.org. And digitalvillage.org. So, on with the show. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention announced earlier this month that fully vaccinated adults do not have to wear a mask or socially distance in outdoor or indoor settings. The CDC attributes the policy shift to decreasing COVID rates, the widespread availability of the vaccine, and the effectiveness of the vaccine. The federal mask rule still applies for those using public transportation, including buses, trains, and airplanes, regardless of whether passengers are wearing masks or not. However, those who are fully vaccinated will no longer be required to get tested before or after domestic flights or have to self-quarantine. The agency says mask wearing may still be required by state, local, and tribal rules and can be mandated by businesses and job settings as well. With us to discuss the issue is Rita Burke, USC Assistant Professor of Clinical Preventive Medicine for the USC Keck School of Medicine. She spoke with Digital Village's Leilani Albano. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. What are the new CDC mask guidelines, and are they a good idea? This has probably been one of the most confusing topics to date about whether we should be wearing masks and where we should be wearing masks. So the most recent guidance says, essentially, if a person is fully vaccinated, meaning they are at least two weeks out from their second shot, they do not need to wear masks in most places. Now, there's a caveat. So, for example, they don't need to wear masks outside. They don't need to wear masks if they are with a small group of people who have been vaccinated or or who are at low risk. But if they are in large indoor venues, such as stadiums, arenas, or it's also left up to the business. So if you enter a store and they require masks, even though you may be fully vaccinated, you should still follow the business's guidance. Considering how many precautions we've been taking all along during the pandemic, this comes as a big shock for some health experts even. Your thoughts? Well, a lot of experts thought that it's really better to err on the side of caution, meaning it's more prudent to wear masks until we can feel a little bit more comfortable in where we are headed with the pandemic. We are certainly headed in the right direction now. We've seen cases continue to decline and hospitalizations decline. But on the other hand, this may also serve as an incentive for folks to get the vaccine, meaning that if they are fully vaccinated, then they don't have to wear masks. This is really also very much a personal decision. If people feel more comfortable continuing to wear masks, then they should certainly do so. There is nothing that says that they cannot continue to wear masks. I don't know if I would prioritize personal decisions during a pandemic. 
want me to err on the side of caution. So if you feel more comfortable continuing to wear a mask, then that's perfectly okay to do so. How did the CDC come to this decision? The decision to say that masks are no longer required if you are fully vaccinated was based on the science and on the evidence, as has been done previously in all of the decisions that CDC has issued. So the most recent study came uh, from the U.S. healthcare workers that looked at those who were vaccinated and those who were not. And they found that those healthcare workers that were fully vaccinated were much more protected against the virus than those who were not. Do we know if we are really making any real gains towards achieving herd immunity at this point? We certainly are achieving gains in herd immunity because we see that in the numbers. If we remember around fall, winter, we had a storm of cases here in Los Angeles County, and we are continually and consistently seeing a decline in the number of cases as well as the number of hospitalizations. And those are really some of the main metrics that we gauge in terms of how we are doing in the pandemic. So those numbers are continuing to trend downward, and that's what we want to continue to see. I think they put a number out there like we need to achieve 70% immunity before we could have herd immunity. Do we know what percentage we are? Well, in Los Angeles County, we are around 65% who have received at least one dose of the vaccine and almost 50% of those who have received at least two doses. But it's not only those who have received the vaccines that we need to look at. We also need to consider people who got sick and recovered and who have those antibodies to the to COVID. So when we consider both numbers, those who receive the vaccine and those who got sick, we are rapidly approaching herd immunity, if not already there. So in other words, there are different ways to get to herd immunity and put together, we have higher numbers. Exactly. It's not just those who receive the vaccine. And Los Angeles County has really been at the forefront of administering vaccines. How much of this mask guideline is based on some kind of economic motivation to just get on with reopening? You know, I think that's a great question, and we really have to consider the long term. So the decisions that have been made in the past have been guided by science, because even though there is a lot of pressure to make economic decisions, we know that that's not going to work, because we're going to see a huge surge immediately, and then we're going to have to close back down. So as a long-term decision, it doesn't make sense. How do new guidelines affect local rules? You can take your mask off at a restaurant, but not at work? It's, just, it's confusing. So the CDC, which is essentially our federal guidance agency, will make recommendations around masks. So their most current guidance around masks says that Essentially, for the most part, if you are fully vaccinated, you do not have to wear a mask. The important thing to remember is that it's a recommendation. Cities, counties, even individual businesses will then issue their own guidance, their own rules around masks. And that is what people need to follow based on where they live. What if I want to go to the store? Is it safe? It is safe. If you're fully vaccinated, it is safe. We know the vaccines are highly effective against 
COVID, especially against critical illness from COVID and death. So it's fully safe. But again, we need to continue to stay vigilant and to take those necessary precautions. So washing our hands, not staying there for more than we need to, we need to continue to stay alert and vigilant and not become complacent. That really is the main the main message. So, for example, in California, everything's going to reopen on June 15. So then I can go to my favorite store, Trader Joe's, and then I'm going to see people who are masked and some are unmasked. But then I don't know who's vaccinated. Yes, and this is really the big question. We are essentially doing this based on the honor system, so which says if you are fully vaccinated and you are two weeks out from your second shot, you do not need to wear a mask in public. And so that's a big question, understandably, and that may also cause a lot of anxiety for some folks. And as I said before, it's very much a personal decision. We are making a huge change from the way we have lived for the past 14 months. And so it may take some time for people to get used to this new normal, which was our normal before. And so if some people need to ease into this new way of living at a little slower pace, that is perfectly okay. So nothing really changes for the unvaccinated person, right? Mask up, socially distance? Exactly. So if you are unvaccinated, you still have to wear a mask, socially distance, stay apart for at least six feet and continue to wash your hands and be vigilant. It's really the new mask guidelines applies to those who have been fully vaccinated. So let's talk about variants. Can you tell us exactly what a variant is and are the current vaccines capable of fighting off these variants, at least the ones that we know of? So as the virus moves through populations and moves through different countries, inevitably it is going to mutate. And those variants are those mutations that we are currently seeing in the virus. The way that a virus survives is it mutates and it becomes many times more infectious or more deadly. And so the ones that we've been hearing about most recently, the India variant, the one from England, the one from Brazil, those are simply the same virus with a mutation. The technology that we're using, which is at least for Moderna and Pfizer, are is the mRNA. Is the mRNA able to manipulate that kind of coding so that it could fight off these regional variants? The important thing to remember about this type of vaccine is that the technology, the science has been developed for almost over a decade. And so I think there's been a lot of concern, especially with the name that was given to the development of this vaccine, Operation Warp Speed, that somehow corners were cut or that the science wasn't completely safe. And so it's really important to remember that the science that allowed us to develop this type of vaccine has been in place for a very, very long time. And there have been studies that have shown that the mRNA vaccines that were developed by Pfizer and by Moderna are effective against protecting individuals against these variants that we're seeing that are highly infectious. They're mutations, but it can act like a blanket vaccine where you don't have to keep developing different vaccines and we have to get new vaccines. Exactly. It's still going to be effective against the coronavirus. 
And does this apply to the other types of vaccines that don't use this mRNA technology? There have been a couple studies that have shown that it's not as effective as the mRNA vaccines, but that people are still protected. Let's look at the different states and how they're adopting this new CDC guideline. It seems like there are a lot of regional differences, as you mentioned. Every jurisdiction can look at the CDC recommendations and say, okay, we're going to be in line with what the CDC says, or we can go in a different direction and either say masks are not required, even if you're vaccinated, or we some states can even decide that they want to be more stringent than what the CDC recommends. And can you talk about some of these regions? For example, how would you compare Texas versus California? Texas eliminated any sort of mask mandate a while ago. So whether you are vaccinated or not vaccinated, you are not required to wear a mask in Texas. While in Los Angeles, our mask mandate has stayed in place until June 15th, where we have guidelines around mask wearing, depending on whether you are vaccinated or not. So again, if you are fully vaccinated in Los Angeles on June 15th, you do not need to wear a mask in most places. And if you are not vaccinated, you need to continue to wear your mask. And again, this is on an honor system. So we are relying on people to do the right thing. Have the states ever considered having some kind of travel restrictions between states, considering the very different approaches to the mask guidelines? That is a great question. To my knowledge, states have not considered closing down their borders. I don't think that would be quite feasible in the U.S. Uh, We have closed our borders to other countries, and other countries have certainly closed their borders, but not within the U.S. How will this mask rule affect schools? So right now, students are required to wear masks in most schools. We are rolling out the vaccine. It's recently been approved for 12 to 15-year-olds, and so those students will probably not be required to wear a mask. And as we continue to roll out the vaccine to younger and younger kids, those children will most likely not be required to wear a mask. The guidelines for summer camps were issued just a couple days ago. And so in those settings, in summer camps, if they are outside, the guidelines say that kids, even if they are not vaccinated, are not required to wear a mask. But again, there are certain conditions. So if the camp is held outside, but to continue to socially distance as much as possible, and to keep kids in those pods so that they are exposed to the same kids. I also think that there is a lot of concern around the adult staff and how they may be affected. Right. And there also have been studies that have shown that at school, most of the adults get infected, not from the kids who are coming to school, but from outside settings. There's a concern that reopenings around the world are happening too fast, and we're seeing the ramifications of that in places that were once considered COVID safe, such as Singapore and Taiwan. You see a rise in cases first with Singapore with 248 in one week and 1,200 infections in Taiwan. What happened in Taiwan in terms of their internal controls? Taiwan did everything correctly at the beginning. They had a really robust 
program around contact tracing. They had a great program around testing. And as the numbers kind of leveled off and they had felt that they had control of the virus, they really let up on their vigilance and they stopped the contract tracing program. They did not test as much as they should have. And they then saw the consequences of those decisions. Well, there was also a question of the role of adult entertainment centers as being kind of like these hotspots. And we see these in other countries that that happened as well. When you have these flare-ups that occur, and it just really depends on where that flare-up is. For Singapore, it happened to be at an airport. But the overall message is that it's really important to maintain vigilance. We cannot let up. We cannot become complacent. Well, going back to Singapore, we're seeing that the infected airport staff had some kind of contact with those in South Asia, you know, India. So it seems like knowing that there was this huge outbreak in India that Singapore should have taken precautions because of that contact. Well, hindsight is twenty twenty. So yes, they should have. But at the moment, there is so much contact. And because of travel, it really makes our world so small. And so in hindsight, absolutely, I'm sure they're thinking, oh, these are the precautions that we should have taken. But because it happened, they also had an opportunity to kind of act more quickly, which they didn't. And I think it's because they didn't realize what was happening and the dire consequences that were going to result because of the contact that airport staff had with those variants. Well, currently there are 5 million new COVID cases per week. For some, it seems unfathomable at this point to want to loosen any COVID rules. How do you think the U.S. can stay vigilant at the same time, want to beat up this economic recovery? I think there are a few things that we are trying to balance as we are opening up. COVID fatigue is real, and we've been kind of in this haze for over a year now. And so there's a real desire to return to normal. And so we have to balance that desire to return to normalcy with continued vigilance. And so making sure that COVID testing is still available to people who want it. We've done a great job with vaccine availability. Right now, it's not a matter of supply so much as demand. And so making sure that people who may be a little bit hesitant about the vaccine, we can allay their fears and have open conversations with them about why the vaccine is safe. And also having all of those measures in place that we talked about when the pandemic first hit around contact tracing. So if there is a flare-up or a small outbreak that we're able to contact those people and trace back to their contacts in order to control the spread of the virus. At least in Los Angeles, do we know that that's done on a mass scale? Here in Los Angeles, once we knew more about the virus, we really ramped up our contact tracing infrastructure and resources. And so We hired a bunch of folks in order to make the calls and to reach out to folks who we knew were sick and then to reach out to their contacts in order to control the virus. So that is certainly being done in public health departments across the nation. President Biden has consistently opposed a national mask policy. 
even during this global rise in COVID infections and cases, do you think having one would help and would it ever be accepted politically? We know that masks are effective and so it would certainly work, but it would not be able to function given how our government is organized. And so that goes back to where we talked about how the CDC will release the recommendations and then each state and each city and county goes through those recommendations and makes a determination about how they are going to use those guidelines. So in other words, there's just so many different local opinions that you just don't see it happening. Exactly. It's the way our government is structured right now in the U.S., that will most likely never happen. Well, people have also pointed to the fact that in some Asian countries, there has been this tradition of wearing masks because of their past experiences with pandemics and also with their line of thinking in terms of you know, what authority says, and supposedly they seem to follow more. Do you feel that there's something in the culture in the U.S. that makes it difficult to impose a national mask policy? Absolutely. I think we really, really value our freedom here in the U.S., and there's a lot of pushback about being told what to do and what to wear. Like you mentioned, in some Asian countries, that is a given. They're used to that. They've been doing that for many years, and so it's not a big deal. Here in the U.S., we're not used to wearing masks. It's a completely new behavior for us. And we know that behavior change is one of the hardest things to change. And so there's a lot of pushback around mask wearing. Also, the fact that it's become politicized for whatever reason. And so once it took on this political symbolism, that also made it much more difficult. So uh, what steps can USers take to remain COVID safe at this time, knowing that there are all of these differences? The main thing is to remain vigilant. We really can't let our guard down. And I think there is a risk when we say that we're reopening June 15th, that people are going to think, oh, the pandemic is over. And that really is not the case. It's going to be with us for a while. We really need to change our behavior to recognize that. So continuing those public health measures. Number one, getting fully vaccinated. That's really the best way to protect ourselves from the virus. Continuing to wash our hands. Having conversations with people that you may be getting together with. You know, are you vaccinated? And laying down what are agreed upon measures. If you're going to see people outside, if you're going to see people indoors, but is it going to be fully ventilated? Those are conversations that we're not used to having, but are the new conversations that we need to have in the time of COVID. What about like what some Asian countries were doing, which was to be adjusting their COVID policies according to worldwide COVID rates? For example, in Taiwan and in South Korea, their sports teams would change their COVID policies based on what the rates were in their countries. Well, and we've seen it being done here also, where we would kind of open up once we saw that COVID rates started to decline. Then as soon as they would go up, then we would close down rapidly again. So we have done that in the past, but I think we try to resist that because it is so frustrating and it is so confusing. So we want to make sure that when we do open up, we can do so in a sustained manner where we don't have to close back down. What's the best case scenario and how do we get there? 
the best case scenario is that people continue to get fully vaccinated. Those who are not vaccinated continue to wear their masks. And we continue to open back up and look back on this as a time of resilience and survival and community. I think it's fair to expect as we open up a few flare-ups here and there. Hopefully, with our continued public health mitigation strategies, we are able to contain those quickly and continue to open back up. Thanks so much for joining the show. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. That was Rita Burke, Assistant Professor of Clinical Preventive Medicine for the USC Keck School of Medicine. She spoke with Digital Village's Leilani Elbano. That's it for this episode of Digital Village. You can hear us archived on kpfk.org. And digitalvillage.org. Thanks for listening to Digital Village. I'm Rick Allen. I'm Leilani Elbano. And we'll see see you online. online.